It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. This is the Fox News Rundown Extra. I'm Dave Anthony. Today, you'll hear from someone who used to have a really important job. H.R. McMaster was National Security Advisor for President Trump for more than a year in 2017 and 18. And we wanted his take on Russia's war in Ukraine. And he gave it to us and then some, including, as you'll hear, how there are ripple effects to the invasion reaching other problem areas in the world for the U.S., like Iran, for instance. He had so much to say. We couldn't possibly fit it all into the Rundown podcast the other day, but in the extra we can, and we do every weekend. And we're glad you're here to listen and invite you to come back often. Now, here is H.R. McMaster on the Fox News Rundown Extra. Joining us on the Fox News Rundown is retired U.S. Army Lieutenant General H.R. McMaster, former National Security Advisor under President Trump, also the author of a book, Battlegrounds, The Fight to Defend the Free World. General, thanks very much for being with us. Hey, Dave, it's great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Well, here we go into, uh, it's, it's unbelievable, really, to think about it. We are now more than two months. We're getting closer to three months into what's happening in Ukraine with the Russian invasion. Everybody seemed to think when Russia went in, it was going to be a disaster for Ukraine, and it has been. But it's certainly not played out the way a lot of people thought. What do you think about the situation in Ukraine and where we stand now? Well, Dave, I think it's it's unsurprising to me, because when you when I looked at the initial offensive, I I, I knew from the beginning. I mean, I, they had already failed, right? You think 160,000 troops is a lot. You divide that, which as they did along four axes, without really a designated main effort, and then you saw, you know, that that really you know, the you have to look at a map. You have to look at the scale on the map that they would have difficulty sustaining that offensive over that distance. You divide that number of 160 by three. That's the number of close combat troops you have, and that's not enough to fight, you know, the Battle of Chicago, you might say, in uh, in Kiev. And so the, the, the attack culminated, I think, quite predictably uh, based on Russian ineptitude uh, in the poor planning, but also you know, the corruption within, within the, the Russian army. I mean, what you've seen are, are units that cannot conduct fire and maneuver. You know, they, they, they have not maintained their equipment. They can't sustain themselves uh, logistically. Uh, and then, of course, you saw very courageous Ukrainian defenders. Yeah. And so I think Putin went into this with all the wrong assumptions. And they, they turned out to be false. Uh, and, and the Russians, they, they got their asses kicked. Now, as you mentioned, no cause for celebration, because what the Russian army can do is they can bomb residential areas and cities indiscriminately yeah. and commit mass murder of innocent people. And they've been doing and, that and, the whole time, it seems. And, and, and But that is not, it is shocking to Americans, but that is the way Russia fights, isn't it? Absolutely. Right. This is what Putin presided over when it, before he became president in 2000. He was put in charge of of the operations in Grozny uh, where they, they murdered. And this, these are the Russian numbers. You know, I mean, they killed 90,000 people as they rubbled Groz, Grozny. This is what he's done in Syria 
by enabling the serial episodes of mass homicide in the Syrian civil war. So he, you know, he was Aleppoizing Mariupol and Kharkiv, essentially. So yeah. as you mentioned, this is not unprecedented. This is the this is, you know, the, this is Russia's way of of war, of warfare. And um and, and what's very important now is to help is to rush these capabilities to the Ukrainians that that help them prevent uh the, this indiscriminate killing of, of of innocent people, you know, with weapons that can that can attack the delivery systems that the Russians have, the you know, the rocket launchers and the artillery pieces, and they can interdict the convoys. Because you know, you know, Dave, it takes it takes a lot of artillery rounds to to rubble a city. And so uh we've also seen you know the importance of shortest ship missiles. Yeah. In, uh, in denying Russian freedom of movement along the Black Sea coast. And I know that the U.S. wants to send in more. There's a, a proposal for Congress for $33 billion in more military and, and other aid into Ukraine. How long can the U.S. keep sending all this stuff overseas before we compromise our own readiness? Well, this is an opportunity, Dave, to look at our industrial base and to look at our ability to ramp up manufacturing of weapons very quickly. What we've had for a long time are defense budgets that have been unpredictable due to the Budget Control Act and due to the anemic defense spending under the Obama administration, which created a bow wave of deferred modernization. Defense industries haven't been able to have uh, predictable long-term uh, long-term procurement uh, contracts in, in place. We need to change that. So I think it's Lockheed Martin. I'm not sure, but whoever makes the javelin, they yeah. open up another couple production lines. Yeah, I mean, we can do that. You know, D- Dave, let's be Americans, not Americans. Yeah, and President, right? yeah, and President <laughs> Biden was just at that Lockheed Martin facility in Alabama on Tuesday. Right, and which is a good sign. And what I hope follows is 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 a shift in our defense budget. You know, what is it, Dave? What did we what did we send American taxpayers during COVID? I think six trillion dollars worth of checks, right? Yeah. And an economic st- stimulus. I don't know if it was I six mean, trillion, but it was a lot of money for sure. It was a lot of money, right? I mean, we we can do this, and, and I, I think the, the the sign of thirty three billion to Ukraine is an important one uh, because that's half of Russia's defense budget, actually. Right. So it's an important, uh, you know, I I think from a psychological perspective as well. But what really needs to happen is getting those weapons into the hands of people who need them. So there's a logistics problem associated with that and ensuring that they're trained and they can integrate various weapon systems. So they have a capability, again, prevent bombardment, right, achieve air supremacy, mainly from the ground with uh, with integrated air defense systems. So, I I mean, there's a lot of work to be done here that's just beyond you know allocating you know the the 33 billion uh but it's i think it's a good sign and and again it's it's time for us to look at supply chains as well dave right i mean now we've seen hey what a big mistake it was for europe in retrospect to give russia coercive power over europe's economy uh by over reliance on, on their hydrocar russia's hydrocarbon exports yeah and it, well, that's changing Look at the Chinese economy. <laughs> Look at how reliant we are yeah, on so true. many supply chains on China. That's a big mistake. Yeah, big and, mistake. yeah, and a lot of people talked about that in the COVID era, too, with, you know, we get COVID coming from whatever happened over in Wuhan, and, and they're also the ones that supply almost a lot of our medicines. All, all the PPE, right? Remember? And, and, exactly. Yeah, PPE and medicine, all, a lot of stuff. And we pharmaceuticals. Get. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and now, you know, how about microelectronic components and the assembly of those components? How about rare earth metals and battery manufacturing and magnet manufacturing, all that is really critical to renewable sources of energy, which the which the Biden administration is rushing toward. And if they if they don't 
take the actions necessary to, to nearshore, to onshore, or what Janet Yellen, the Secretary of Treasury, called recently friendshore, a lot that the, 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 you know, that supply chain and manufacturing capability. You know, we're going to give China coercive power over our economy, like Middle Eastern countries had over our economy in the 1970s with oil. So we, we have a lot of work to do in defense. The three big long-range strategic shifts we have to make, Dave, are defense, and we need to reinvest in our defense. As you mentioned, we're depleting our stocks. We need to build them back up. But you know, I'll tell you, we, we, we need a larger armed force, Dave. I mean, you know, we, we assumed that we could deal with one crisis at a time, and it would mainly be China to deter. Hey, you know, we've got not only the situation uh, with, with Russian aggression, China and 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 Putin. Remember, they profess their enduring love for each other. Right, yeah, our, our right. partnership has no limits before the Olympics. Yeah, and and you know they said, hey, get ready for a new era of international relations. Hey, the United States, you're over. Get used to it. We're in charge now. And then you have uh, Chinese aggression in the South China Sea uh, toward ta- Taiwan. Now North Korea. Uh, has been testing long-range missiles and is about to do a nuclear test. Uh, And you have Iran, who's intensified its four-decade-long proxy war against the United States, its Arab neighbors, and and Israel, while it rushes uh, to get a threshold nuclear capability. I mean, there are a lot of problems in the world. And you know what? They don't get better if we portray weakness, right? Reagan had it right when he talked about peace through strength. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. You know, you mentioned North Korea and Iran, and I want to get to those topics because they're important too, but Russia continually talks about how this could become a nuclear conflict with Ukraine. Now, is that something that you think is just talk, or is that a real threat? Well, you have to take it seriously, because the Russians have been using for a long time this, this uh, or talking about for a long time, the strategy of, of escalation domination, or escalate to de-escalate. You would normally hear them talk about it in connection with the Baltic states. Like, if they were going to take the Baltic states... Uh, and they were stymied in that effort, they would use a nuclear weapon maybe in Poland or something and then say, okay, option A for you is Armageddon. Option B is sue for peace on our terms. So that's what they mean by escalate to de-escalate. Okay. Okay. I, but, I, 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 but I'm telling you, Dave, he's got to know it's a suicide weapon. I mean, if he uses, and, and it could be, <laughs> we could respond conventionally in a way uh, to, to, to really uh, to, to really impose huge costs on on Vladimir Putin if he uses a so, you know, so-called t- tactical nuclear weapon. Um, and, yeah, because and President Biden, uh, General President Biden would have a very tough choice, wouldn't he? I mean, OK, so if Russia did implement some sort of a nuclear weapon, let's say it was on a smaller scale. I mean, we don't have to launch our nukes, too, do we? I mean, because no, we, I mean, we could we could sink the entire Black Sea fleet in like 40 minutes. You know, we, we could, you know, we could attack Russia conventionally, right? Now, that doesn't mean that the conflict doesn't escalate from there. Yeah. But there are a range of responses. You know who ought to fear escalation? Vladimir Putin. This is why he's rattling his nuclear saber. His his army is inept and on the verge of, of defeat in Ukraine. You know, he, he doesn't have the economic strength. Remember, even before the sanctions, Russia's economy was the size of Italy's economy. Right. Or Texas's economy. Uh, and, and, and so, you know, he, what does he have left? What does he have left? He has cyber. Well, maybe he doesn't, because I don't know what we did, Dave, you know, because I'm not reading classified stuff anymore. But we did something. We be in the free world and, and maybe the Ukrainians as well, I think, to preempt 
the, you know, uh, Russian cyber capabilities. And, and he must know that we have, you know, we have tremendous cyber capabilities if he was to, yeah. to, to conduct an attack against us. We were all waiting um, for that cyber retaliation when we imposed well, sanctions back in February and March. We were all waiting for something. Right. It's the dog that didn't bark. Right. You know, and so so what, what does he have left, really? And, you know, he's coming up on this May Day celebration. He's going to try to make this look like a victory. You know, he's raising Russian flags, you know, over over some of the towns that he's rubbled in eastern Ukraine or the already occupied regions in Donetsk and, uh, Donetsk and Luhansk, you know, forcing people to use rubles for transactions and so forth. But, you know, I'll tell you, I don't know if the Russian people are going to buy it. You know, I wish, Dave, that that, that uh, we could get Fox News, you know, into Russia. You know, we should be broadcasting it into Russia. You know, we have to bypass these information firewalls in Russia, China, you know, Iran, and even even North Korea, um, because you know he's he's crafting an alternative reality. But you know what, Dave? Once fifteen thousand Russian killed in action, that's the conservative number. You know, are, are returned as a lot uh, to Russia. Maybe forty five thousand wounded. Right? I mean. It's going to be tough for him to call, keep calling this a special military operation. So on May 9th, does he say, okay, you know, this is this is our big fight against the West. We're mobilizing. Does he say that? You know, if his active armed forces are this bad, what do you think his mobilized reserves look like, right? And then what strain does that put on, you know, the Russian people's ability to continue to 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 buy in to this this false narrative that he's the, you know, that, that Putin is the savior, you know, of, of – uh, of Mother Russia, you know, and and uh, and and at times he portrays himself as the savior of, of Western Christianity, right? This narrative of denazifying yeah. Ukraine, you know, and and this you know war of, of NATO aggression. Really, I mean, who's buying that anymore? You know, so we've really, I think we ha- we ought to be doing everything we can to poke holes in in the sort of information wall he's trying to throw up. Okay, let's go to North Korea because they've had fourteen missile tests this year. Yeah, you referenced how they're. Everyone believes they're planning an actual nuclear test again, which hasn't happened in five years. You know, you were the national security advisor in the Trump administration, and it was right before you, you left a few months before the first Trump Kim summit. Former President Trump tried something different. Ultimately, we're back to square one here with North Korea. What happened? What went wrong? Well, you know what we never did and what we tried to do, we started doing it. And actually, we got off to a good start uh, while I was national security advisor is to put into place a campaign of maximum pressure. And the thesis we were testing, Dave, was that that we could convince Kim Jong Un that he's safer without the weapons than he is with them. We have never really ramped up sanctions the way that we could to show him that he is vulnerable to economic isolation. Now, of course, 90, maybe 96% of his trade is with China, across the border with China. But, you know, if China doesn't adhere to UN Security Council resolutions, that Ambassador Nikki Haley did a phenomenal job getting in place and getting through the Security Council, unprecedented uh, UN sanctions. Uh, then you have options to sanction uh, uh, secondary sanctions against Chinese banks. You know, for example, we could have done more on maritime interdiction to 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 cut off you know, some of the coal exports as well as the fuel imports and the and the and the, and the, the shortest ship transfer. And you know, some people accuse me of being nutty, Dave, when I talk about this. But you know, I would just say we need a viable military option. Not that we want to use it, but how do you get to a diplomatic solution if you don't have? a viable military option for a preventive or or a preemptive strike against the North. What happens one day, Dave, if they start rolling out all these, you know, all these mobile launchers and we don't know if it's an exercise or not, we're going to have to have that military capability in place. So 
you know, I, I would say a return to maximum pressure is what we ought to do. What Kim Jong-un is trying to do is he's trying to get us to repeat the failed cycle of previous efforts to get them to denuclearize, right? Okay. Pro- provoke, get us to make concessions, extort payoffs, and get involved in long, drawn-out, bottom-up negotiations that deliver a weak agreement uh, that, that he benefits from economically, and then he just violates that agreement. And that, by the way, that agreement locks in the status quo as a new normal, which is already a dangerous one to begin with. So let's not do that, Dave, right? I think we ought to test the thesis that we can convince him he's safer without the weapons. Now let's go to Iran. You were not the National Security Advisor anymore when then-President Trump pulled the U.S. out of the international nuclear deal. Did you like that move uh, when it happened? And do you think the Biden administration is 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 doing the right or the wrong thing trying to get back in? Yeah, you know, you know, I'll tell you, I, I at the time I, cre- I my job was to give options to President Trump. Right. Yeah. So okay. when it came on, when it came to the JCPOA, the Iran nuclear deal, which I agree was a terrible deal. I mean, the chapter in, in Battlegrounds is called a bad deal. Right. Which, which centers on on previous administrations plural approach to Iran, because it was based on this assumption that Iran, if we welcome Iran back into the international order, you know, they'll play by the rules, they'll moderate their behavior. And then, and what we didn't do is we didn't consider the degree to which ideology drives them, right? The ide- ideology of the revolution. We didn't underestimate the degree to which the Iranian theocratic dictatorship is permanently hostile to the to to the to the to the great Satan, right? the United States, you know, Israel, it's our neighbors. And so I, I was you know, critical of the deal, but what I, what I wanted to do is create an option for the president to stay in in the near term, sanction their behavior outside of the deal, continue to choke off, choke them off economically, but to do it with the EU and others and keep the conversation about Iran's destructive, murderous behavior in the region. Well, my successor came in, and I think he gave the president advice just to pull out right away. That had certain advantages, Dave, because, you know, the, the sanctions snapped back in. They had a, a devastating effect on Iran's ability to, to intensify its proxy war regionally. And so there, there were positive aspects to either staying in or getting out. I wanted, I would have I would have wanted the president to have more time, because once you get out, you're out. Yeah. You know, and, since, and, get, and, and, and the president can get out anytime he wanted. And right? since and, and he, since they pulled out now, Iran has violated terms of that deal. The deal is still in effect in place with the international uh, other countries. But Iran's been violating it. They've been enriching uranium at a higher level. Are they getting closer to actually having a weapon? Do they th- do they really want a weapon, do you think? They really want a weapon, and they never stop pursuing one. One of the one of the problems with the Iran nuclear deal as well, though the, the old one was it had a really poor inspection and verification regime, right? They said, hey, you can't inspect any of our military facilities. I mean, really? Come on. So, you know, I mean, do you really trust the Iranians? It's ridiculous. And now what's really crazy, Dave, is that is that the, the Biden administration, the same people, basically, who negotiated this deal under the Obama administration are supplicating to the Iranians. I mean, we're not even we're, we're, we're actually humiliating ourselves because the Iranians aren't allowing us to talk to them directly. You know who our interlocutor is? The Russians. And now we're making concession after concession. And the Russians are, are now going to be the guarantor maybe of this deal. It's a disaster. It's also one of the reasons why we have such a, a terrible relationship with Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates. Uh, besides, you know, and also to, to get to this this non-negotiation with the Iranians, uh, we, we undesignated the Houthis who, who are who are shelling and and, uh, and and firing rockets into the UAE and Saudi Arabia 
uh, we took away the designation of them as a terrorist organization. So now we want Saudi Arabia and the Emiratis to, to do us a solid, <laughs> to help us out on, on, on energy supplies globally. And what they're doing is they're flipping us off, right? Because all the, these competitions in other regions relate to one another, right? And, and, and our poor, our horrible Middle East policy squandering what I think were some very significant achievements under the Trump administration in, a, in, in connection with the Abraham Accords uh, is, is really hindering our ability to counter Russia or China as well. I mean, and of course, the Khashoggi murder was horrible, and 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 uh, and we we needed to impose costs on on Saudi Arabia and send a strong message to to the Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, but continuing to kick Saudi Arabia in the ass uh, has not been been helpful. Actually, if we want Saudi Arabia to change its behavior, we can do that better through engagement and a sustained relationship with a flawed partner. I acknowledge that, um, but but what we've done has ostracized the, the Saudis. I mean, he's invited Xi Jinping to come visit. He said, hey, hey, it's cool with me now if you want to pay for if you want to pay for our oil exports with uh, with uh, with yuan, digital yuan, the Chinese uh, digital currency. So yeah. anyway, I, I think, Dave, these competitions are interconnected and bad policy in one area limits your ability to respond to crises in others, such as as confronting Russian aggression in Ukraine. The book is Battlegrounds, The Fight to Defend the Free World. Lieutenant General retired from the Army, H.R. McMaster, former National Security Advisor. Thanks very much for joining us. Hey, Dave, thanks for having me. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. In these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.